0: Welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we discuss and review movies, TV shows, and everything else pop culture. Today, we'll be taking a look at the third episode of the third season of the Disney Plus original series, The Mandalorian. My name is Emmett, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and best supporting actor, runner-up, Ivan.
1: I'd like to thank the Academy.
0: No, you get no, their... oh. you get no speech. You runner up.
1: Oh, okay. Well... <laughs> I'll make a very sentimental Facebook post.
0: <laughs> did you uh, get a chance to watch the the Oscars?
1: So I didn't watch it live, but I did watch. Um, I did watch Twitter uh, as you the Watched night
0: Twitter. Progress. Okay. I watched
1: Twitter. Yeah.
0: Get, this guy's watching the hashtags.
1: <laughs> I mean, well, like, I did, I can't sit through the Oscars. I don't know. I don't remember the last time I saw the actual show as it was uh, coming through, but. I'm always just curious to see who wins, but it looks like Everything Everywhere All at Once pretty much swept that was house it. there.
0: That was the only movie of 2022.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, out of all the nominated ones, I think we might have talked about it before, but like, we had, for Best Picture, we had Everything Everywhere All at Once, Top Gun Maverick, Women Talking, Triangle of Sadness, All Quiet on the Western Front, Elvis, uh, Tar, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Fabelmans, and The Banshees of Insurance. I feel like... None of those, besides Everything Everywhere All at Once, to me at least, were very best picture quality. Um, like some of those were just kind of head scratchers. And I, I feel like it, that's been the case in some years, but this year more so than, than the past.
0: Yeah. I don't see how Avatar was in the conversation, and I don't see how Top Gun was either.
1: Top Gun was the best movie of last year from a office box box perspective. Yeah. <laughs> It kind of did though, but like
0: that didn't. Any movie would have done that. Mm. I I think I think that's kind of debatable though, because
1: I, I I do think that uh, to some degree. That's exactly what we're doing. We are debating this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can't just say that's debatable.
1: That's debatable, <laughs> sir. Here's twenty-seven things that you missed at the Oscars. Well, that's
0: debatable. So I'm not gonna debate you, but that's debatable. Listen, that's debatable. End of discussion. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, I think that was like the obvious pick for uh, best picture. I don't know. I I did a, a one of those guessing ballots and I did pretty terrible. Uh, cuz you want you knew everything everywhere all at once was going to win a bunch of these things. Yeah. But I didn't want to overdo it on my guessing and they really steered into that movie.
1: They really did, I think. So, but a lot of those were deserved. Like I think Michelle Yeoh definitely deserved it. I think um uh, Ki Ki Hui Kwan deserved his as well. Um and then for best actor, I think we, that went to Brendan Fraser, which I thought yeah. was also a pretty good performance on The Whale.
0: Which yeah, I couldn't see any of these
1: The uh, Whale I'm surprised didn't get nominated for best picture. Like that that was a good movie. And, and this is what I mean. Like I feel like the choices this year were kind of like Almost like favors, I guess, to some of within the academy to their own friends, because some of these didn't deserve to be on this nomination list.
0: Yeah. Did you uh, have one, any thoughts, anybody? Yeah, the one I would kind of would have wanted was the uh, best supporting actress. I really kind of wanted that to go to Angela Bassett for uh, Black Panther.
1: I was surprised that it went to Jamie Lee Curtis not in the same sense that i think some people are kind of bringing up on there but i I think that the like to me i thought if you were going to go with everywhere anywhere everywhere anywhere all at once
0: anything all the time anything all the
1: time however you want it (laughs) Of course, i thought it should have gone to stephanie sue who um i think had a much larger role and you know to be totally honest with you because of the larger role like a a much stronger performance in the same movie
0: um i'm also surprised that like either of them won because usually it like it divides the voters i feel like whenever we've seen two actors or actresses get nominated from the same movie kind of splits the ballot so that's why i thought angela bassett had a better shot at winning this but well I'm i'm not gonna fight them
1: i think the jamie lee curtis win was more of a kind of like a lifetime achievement award kind of thing you know how like yeah. when
0: leo won for the bear that was her first one right yeah
1: yeah yeah So That's she's just, she's put in performances that have been substantially better than the one in this movie but i think the, the academy just kind of pulled the leo on this one and was like well you you know you deserve it it's been years mm-hmm. uh but that puts it into like a really weird situation here because you know that some of the other candidates we're probably stronger contenders for it. Yeah. You know, one that did kind of puzzle me a little bit was, um, the Oscar, uh, category that I feel like most people ignore. that's the best. Work. No, <laughs> no, I think all quiet on the Western front rightly deserved that one.
0: I what I feel I like have to it... look up what cinematog- cinematography meant <laughs> before, <laughs> before casting my vote. Sorry, basically,
1: go ahead. Basically like the cameraman, this the setup for the, composition of shots um no i thought uh all quiet on the western front won best foreign foreign film i think i think that's what the category is called yeah um i thought it wasn't the strongest out of that list um you know because we kind of seen this um it's best international feature film that's what it's called but there were a couple of really good international films uh the quiet girl close and argentina i i thought all three of those were stronger picks than all quiet on the western front uh but it felt like because all quiet on the western front had stronger ties with some of the bigger studios here that's probably what kind of pulled them into that spot
0: yeah probably that and then also like it was nominated for best picture so doesn't that automatically like kind of make it the best of the next category if no one else was (laughs) nominated i I would think so, but I think that's only because it I, first of all, I didn't even think it would be classified
1: as an international feature film just because it got a lot of its funding from the u s. It wasn't in English. i I know it wasn't. but like technically, like a lot of those were like for example, with Cloak, a twenty four is a distributor here in the u s. but it's not like the studio that made it. I, I don't know. It just to me, it just kind of seems like a really weird choice to make, um especially when
0: it was already in another bigger uh, nomination there with Best Picture overall. But I am with you with the not just be, not being able to watch the Oscar. Like my family got really into it, and I'm happy about that. But I can't care. <laughs> it's just way too yeah. long. If there was a condensed version of it, I don't know, maybe. Without the like the thank you speeches, if we just kind of like rip through some of these awards, that's why it's always more enjoyable to watch it on Twitter, um, unless it was last year's
1: when I actually was watching it live and the slap yeah. happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was I was sure there wasn't gonna be a slap this year. That's why I didn't watch it this year.
1: Next year though, because that, that's always how back. it goes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're very vigilant on it the year after an incident, but then like
0: and then know. they get complacent. Yeah.
1: Also, look, I like Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, to an extent but like he's got to stop these hosting gigs he's a little little bit too corny i
0: think it felt like a safe pick for them i think that was their rationale behind it but i agree i think we need like legit comedians doing it
1: yeah even the ones that may may go a little too far
0: but like i think it keeps
1: things going
0: like that's why like looking back at old hostings the ricky gervais things always stick out I loved him as, as the host, but they will never have him back just because of that. I don't think he even wants to go back. <laughs> yeah. But you need somebody like that who's politically incorrect, but also not, like, offensive.
1: I just feel like they fear that now,
0: like, offending
1: Oh, people. Yeah. To, and I'm like, just offend everybody. You're fine. Like, you
0: know, as long as you're offending everybody, <laughs> then you, not, you, you're good. Not, but unless it's Will Smith's wife,
1: yeah, <laughs> you keep her name.
0: Your mouth. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, dude, I finally—this is my wall. I finally saw Creed three. Finally, being like, I'm one week late on it. Top tier movie for uh for fighting movies. I kind of still put Creed one. Because you know me, I'm I'm usually like the original of trilogies is my favorite. Yeah, but no, I think uh, Michael B. Jordan, Jonathan Majors, Tessa Thompson—they killed it in this. Um, and they made it well, not less about the fighting, but more about like relationships and evolving family. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I really liked it a lot, and I think i was worried that like it being michael b jordan's first directorial debut debut but i think he did a really really good job
1: i think he did well too and i think that that's one of the one of the strongest points about this movie is the way that the cinematography felt a little bit different from the last two films yet like narratively and everything kind of flowed really well from the last two and i i thought Jonathan Majors again like really kicking butt in this role and he he always plays such intimidating villains and yet like very captivating and like, very nuanced roles he's able he's able to like make you feel empathy and at the same time like know that this guy's a real menace you know <laughs> he, you know.
0: So, yeah, he he's really good at that, like bait and switch. Like, yeah, he reels you in as your friend, but then he can turn on you so quickly. And and I think that's what he does really well with Kang and uh, and some of his other roles.
1: Somebody broke down a, um, it was like a reel of shots from Creed Three, obviously like bootlegged ones, <laughs> but uh, comparing them to like different anime shows. And I know that Michael B. Jordan is a huge anime fan. Uh, but to see him integrate that into the visuals in that way, I thought was really smart of him to play out. Because, like, you know, sometimes I feel like people go overboard with trying to make little call outs to certain things. Like, I only caught a handful of anime references just because I'm not a huge anime fan on things. But um, it, it was just interesting to see him display that without, you know, for the, audi- the average audience goer, it's not like super in your face and kind of drowning in it and then for the for the for the person who is very much into anime it, it's a nice little treat huh? all
0: right well that's interesting why don't we get on to mando yeah let's get, we, let's <laughs> get on too long to which we've already done
1: um you know what i'm gonna let you take this away uh with give me your initial thoughts on on this episode because i have stuff to say but i have a feeling that we might be a little bit on opposite
0: ends on certain things and then really aligned in others so so this is episode three, season three. Uh, was it called the Convert, right? The Convert, yeah. Convert, convertible. Um, yeah, this is like a breaded chicken sandwich, right? It's just carby, starchy. It's a filler up, and they they sandwich what you like on both ends. Asiago bread, right? It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get Mandalorian at the beginning and at the end, and then you get the a breaded grilled chicken cutlet in the middle, something that you're not. I like <laughs> breaded <about>. chicken. <laughs> <laughs> not, I'm not. T- this isn't deep fried. There's nothing good about it. It's not. chicken. Oh. this is oh. like healthy in between. Oh, this is Hello Fresh <laughs> breaded <laughs> chicken. That might be one of my worst metaphors, but I just don't care about this episode, and I'm glad almost because. It's a really hard trajectory to make each episode more intense. However, it is upsetting when this this one starts out with like such an intense uh, chase sequence that they it not like there's serious stakes on there, but it could go in so many different directions where like they get captured or um they you know, find Moff Gideon who got released or something like that. Like they could have gone a lot of different ways and then they just do. All right, we'll pick that up later. Um, so that's the only upsetting thing. Cause the rest of this is like every once in a while, I like to see these uh, like what's going on in the, in the universe type episodes, like seeing um, Bill Burr in the new Republic prison system. And like, but that's, those are just snippets it's not a whole episode dedicated to it and i think that's like kind of the less exciting part of this
1: yeah i i agree i i think i thought this was an okay episode like i didn't hate it i didn't find it particularly boring i i found it mostly interesting but i do think that it's uh, it was an odd choice because we like you said we it's sandwiched in between two slices of some of the best content we've seen uh, because it's exactly what I wanted to see at the end of last week's episode, which was Mando and, and you know his little, like, I was going to say coven, but that's not the right word, um, his little group of Mandos and Bo interacting. But instead we get <laughs> like 35 to 37 minutes of Dr. Pershing and the officer lady girl person, I forget her name. No, that's her name. Officer, officer Kane, a lady girl, I think or lady girl person. <laughs> yeah, officer lady girl person. Um, going Not to make it unlimited. too gendered, <laughs> just in case you know. Like, but no, but um, I listen. There's stuff that I liked, and I you know, the, the nerd in me liked seeing coruscant again, and liked seeing some of the goings on of the New Republic. It's some of the stuff i really liked about andor however Andor set the expectation that that's what the whole show was going to be about and so it's also one of the reasons why some people found it boring and i totally totally get that um it's not the type of speed that i'm used to for mando because mando has been more like consistent in terms of like here's a snippet of this and cutaway to this but you keep the focus on the same set of characters through the episode. Um, that being said, I am glad that we are starting to, at least seemingly, uh, start to integrate different storylines into the same episode. What I kind of hope to see is that next time they want to do something like that, it's more split 50-50 instead of like 70-30 or not, not like 80-20 really for this. Um, in terms of like, I want to see both storylines but cut in between them there's no reason for me to stick to dr pershing for that long like he's an interesting character i just don't think like if we're gonna give him a motivation to do something or or... we just need to get to the point i think quicker with him uh just because we kind of lose some of the interest in there um within action
0: yeah i think we talked about this in the second season of mandalorian or maybe it was in boafet but I agree. I, I don't mind when we have multiple storylines and arcs within one episode kind of building their own speed. But I think it is where it, it should be more like Game of Thrones where you go back and forth and then they tie together at the end or something like that. Um, and that. And that's just never been the way they've set these up. It's always been first half, second half, or like this, like sandwich the... First five minutes, last five minutes, and then give the middle to somebody else, and it, that's the only like thing with pacing that I think they don't do particularly well.
1: And I hope that they learn from it, because it seems like they're trying to do that, and they're they're kind of like migrating a little bit more to it. But I think because of it, it might also be like the fact that this is a streaming show, you know, like that just it, they just don't have because for. From a behind-the-scenes standpoint, I guess most of the time, a lot of the way that TV shows are cut narratively is really enforced by cuts for commercial sake. Uh, even if it's like streaming shows that might eventually show up on on some sort of like channel, right? They they do it for that, and it kind of forces the editors to edit that way. I hope they do that for some of these extreme, see um, these ah uh, streaming-only shows, because I feel like it goes a long way to help the audience uh, pick up on stuff. Uh, Especially, like, if we're trying to tell a complex story.
0: Yeah, why don't we get into some of these uh, plot points specifically. So, like we had talked about a little bit, the opening of this episode was incredible. I mean, really strong chase sequence that I, I don't think we've seen too many of. Uh, at least at, like, this intensity. I mean, yeah. perhaps close to the Pirates episode earlier this season.
1: But these were TIE Interceptors, which I don't think we've seen...
0: I don't think in this series or like in this universe of shows no, right?
1: we've seen TIE fighters, but I think the last time we see TIE interceptors was
0: like rebels.
1: Yeah. Or if we're talking live action, like return of the Jedi. Yeah. That's been a while then. Damn. I didn't realize it's been that long, but yeah, the, the, <laughs> that was, um, that had me questioning a little bit as to whether or not, um, somebody was gonna make it or not uh from this i, I think obviously Amanda was gonna make it to some degree right but uh that and the revelation too that Bo didn't outright tell him like as soon as he gets up like oh i saw a mythosaur down there
0: yeah why is she playing that close to vest?
1: i don't know like i knew something was up the minute she like still had her helmet on throughout the entire thing and like when even like I think on her way to to Mandalore in the previous episode, her helmet was off, right? So clearly she was comfortable taking it off. Uh, but I did notice throughout this that opening sequence, like, her helmet stayed put. Um, it kind of goes back to the convo we were having last week about, like, you know, she's becoming an, a, a believer again. But does that mean she's a believer in, like, the old ways now? Or does that mean she's just, like, reinvigorated in her plight to redeem Mandalore? I don't know. It's kind of an odd thing to keep out, too. Like, to not tell him, like, hey, by the way, when I was hauling you back to the surface, I saw this big creature there.
0: I don't think it's like a... She's reinvigorated. I think it's more just like... The circumstance didn't come up where she had enough time to do that. It just went from danger in the mines to flying and then danger in the skies. And then they immediately plug in their course to go um, to see the other Mandalorians. So I don't know if there was enough time really to be like, yeah, let me get comfortable. True. But also, like it just seemed like she was kind of
1: prodding to see if he had any sort of re- like reference to what if he might have seen it before. She was definitely curious on that. And when he said no, I don't think he would have judged her if, if even if it sounds kind of outlandish. Like, hey, I saw this like mythical creature down there. Like if anybody, I think Manda would be the one person to like share that with 'cause he was this overly fanatical dude about his uh I guess for lack of a better term, his religious views on this.
0: Well, I, I think it's also like what do you what do you really gain for saying you've seen it versus you sound like a crazy person and nobody wants to follow a crazy person? I guess I
1: guess so. It's just, I don't know. It, to me, it kind of seems like they put so much emphasis on this creature that it like knowing it, the knowledge of knowing that it exists seems like a like a good card to kind of hold on to and to play at the right time. But I, I don't know. I might be like reading too much into it, but
0: um, no, I just thought possible. it was It's possible for sure. I just get the feeling that it's like she can vouch for him that he bathed in the waters he can't vouch for her that she saw the creature. So it's that's true. It's that that's balancing true. of like, well, if I come out and say that I saw this creature and he was, and I'm vouching that he was there and he's confirming that he was there, but he doesn't say he also saw it. It just makes me look desperate. Like I'm trying to grab attention. That's true. That's true. That's a good point.
1: I'm glad we got um I was a little confused when he said he was going to bring back proof that he bathed in the waters. Yeah, I was like are you going to like record yourself <laughs> going into the <laughs> into the living waters? And I also then thought
0: like takes a sample just, of it. It's just a vial of water. Like how do we measure that as well? Like he should've took the the placard off the wall. <laughs> but yeah, apparently that water has Beskar in it, so that's
1: what creates that little luminescent thing. Effect that you see when you pour
0: the water into the container thingy. I would like a little clarification on why he sunk to the bottom. I, at the end of last episode, got the impression that he was dragged down by the Mythosaur or something. But he's claiming that he just, like, stepped over the ledge because he didn't expect it to be that deep. But then why would that put him unconscious and, like, sinking? Yeah.
1: I don't know. I mean... I'm still convinced he was pulled down by something. Like some gravitational pull because of the pure Beskar <laughs> armor
0: that he's wearing. They can make up anything they want. I just want something made up.
1: It's it's the drip. He was too drippy. One mm. foot in there and the water just wanted him. It was uh, No
0: chance. Don't we all. Alright, so that's Mando. You got a feel for Bo-Katan. She just lost her house.
1: She got her house bombed again. That was better to hurt.
0: The last relic of her family line gone. And the little servant robot. R.I.P. to him. I know. Nobody talks about him. Robot lives matter, too.
1: Yeah, for real. I would have gone down there to check him. I'd be like, hey, you got a pulse still? You okay? He's
0: still around. Maybe we could use your computer chip that Mando was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Oh, that would have been nice. (laughs) But they just killed the Jarvis off in this season. Uh But uh, I guess the question is who is attacking them and what is their motivation? They quickly mentioned that Bo-Katan's pissed off a lot of Imperial people just from robbing them so often. I don't know if that totally tracks because it's like who was tracking that it was her behind those thefts. And if she was being that careless, why would she keep going back to her home? yeah
1: um also like there's that little line when the entire like squadron of interceptors comes in after the fact after the bombers Mm -hmm. and she says there's way too many ships for a warlord so clearly like there's somebody out there with a legion of these that wants her gone and i don't know i mean who could it be could it be Thrawn? is Thrawn back we kind of led to believe that that's the case
0: from last season, but not that he's back. Just that Ahsoka is looking for him. Well, he is definitely back
1: though, because the the droids and the that the magistrate had in that episode, they had the the Seventh Fleet symbol from his uh, Imperial days. So those are Anyone his. Anyone paint
0: that on a droid. <laughs> Anybody came me too? So <laughs> <laughs> um well that would be cool because I feel like the Moff Gideon play has been played too many times that I don't really want to bring him back. It's
1: kind of so those Imperials later on in the episode were referring to a possible escape from Moff Gideon, like a rumor that Moff Gideon escaped the war tribunal.
0: Yeah, I just I'm kind of tired of this being the single big baddie for Mando since he's now beating him pretty much every time. I'm going to speculate that
1: Moff Gideon has been
0: working with Thrawn
1: this whole time. And we're going to find out about that sometime down the line. But um, yeah, I, I don't think they're done with him yet, though. Because somebody like Giancarlo Esposito, when you hire him, you usually are in it for a little bit of a longer haul than they did with those first two seasons of Mando.
0: Yeah, I think that's the only reason I could get behind. Like, all right, maybe we, I can watch him a little bit more because he's such a brilliant actor in this role. But I, I kind of just want to move on to Grand Admiral Thrawn. I don't
1: think we're gonna get
0: him this season.
1: I, I think he's the master. He, like, he's the Thanos of the Disney Plus Star Wars universe, right? I think we're we're gonna build up to him, but I don't think we're gonna see Thrawn until the Ahsoka series. But I, I do think we'll see Gideon again this season.
0: Do we know who's going to be playing him? There's been um, so many
1: rumors. The rumor was that the voice actor Mads Mikkelsen was going to come in and and play him, and then he like he's been denying it. However, yeah. apparently there's been reports of seeing him on set, so chances are he's lying. He's lying and he's actually playing him
0: again. I think it's Lars Mikkelsen.
1: Is it Lars? I always get them confused. There's Mads yeah. and then there's Lars Mikkelsen. Mads is the one from Rogue One, right? He played yeah. the the scientist. Okay, or <laughs> sure so. Um, he, I I I hope it's it it is the voice actor because that like that Thrawn voice is very intimidating in the in
0: yeah, the but show. it sounded like Benedict Cumberbatch, so like why don't we just get him? I don't think he'd want to play that role. <laughs> I don't care what he wants, Ivan. We're talking about what we want. <laughs> just offer him a truckload of money; he'll come. This guy would do it for for
1: free. This is Disney.
0: That's true. Star Wars.
1: Just get him on the contract. Be like, hey, you got you to gotta do this. You Dude, gotta do got to do it. You, first, we got
0: ben. you for Doctor Strange, but you got to do this.
1: Listen, Ben, you want another one of them Marvel checks? Sit, sit your butt in Star Wars for a minute, and we'll get you a Marvel check.
0: Because right now, nobody wants another Doctor Strange. Uh, I'm Oof. telling you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Listen, but what's her name? Just came into the franchise.
0: Charlize Theron?
1: Charlize Theron, yeah. I Charlize. want to see Charlize Theron in Doctor Strange.
0: I'll just watch a, a show on her.
1: I'll just watch Ooh. Atomic Blonde. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Uh, that's, let's talk a little Dr. Pershing and
0: um, Officer Kane,
1: I want to say. Alaya
0: was was her first name. I don't know where her last name was.
1: Lot, I would just stick to Alaya. Alaya.
0: we're on a first name basis.
1: I'll be I'll be honest with you. I'm gonna just talk about both of these in one
0: clunk because I feel like they're just like connected. And let's there. do it in less than five minutes. Let's do it. Go.
1: <laughs> I was super confused throughout most of sh- most of this episode, <laughs> which is like which is fine because I enjoyed like trying to figure out whether whether she's still evil or not. Yeah. And um, you know, I empathize with Dr. Kershing a bit because he hasn't been like a an Pershing. evil dude, right? In the last Kershing. Pershing pershing oh my bad dr pershing um he hasn't been like an extraordinarily evil character in the last two seasons so i thought in this when we saw him here like he's showing glimpses of like being a good guy but obviously like not really understanding the reason why they don't want his research to continue um, I thought I thought the ethics of that was a very interesting kind of point to bring out, right? Because cloning, if like we relate that to the real world, yeah, yeah, it, it would draw some very like big moral and ethical questions uh, about the the whole thing. I thought him to be a little bit of a you know a little moronic, to be honest, just because he's like you know for a for a smart doctor, I guess he's um, easily played, and then also not somebody i think they can put two and two together all that much but overall his relationship with the officer in this episode i thought was a nice nice one i th- it could have been condensed to 15 minutes to be honest it took a little too long to get to the point of this whole thing and at the end of this whole bit with them i'm still left to wonder what the ultimate point of it was like is it to show off that the new republic is brainwashing these converts over, or is it to show off that she's still working for Gideon because she bites into that biscuit at the end? The... so it just leaves me with questions, which is fine, but like I feel like we could have used less time and still had the same effect.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of follow-up points on that. So I agree. I think the only redeeming aspect of this is that you're constantly playing this. Is she just setting him up, or is she working for Gideon? At no time do you really believe that she's like his friend, but you don't know which way they're taking us, which I think is like the best thing to keep you interested. Cause you are just trying to read the signs of like, is Gideon going to be around the corner next, next door she opens, or is it going to be, you know, a set of uh, rebel troops? Um, but I think the last point that you bring up there is the, um, is, like, the biggest takeaway, right? It's, I, I think it's just to demonstrate that it's, like, once you overthrow the dictatorship, you then become the power that fills that void. And all throughout this episode, they've just been saying that, like, they're not really equipped to be leaders, but they can't leave another void and let something else fill in. So it's just a matter of, like, all we're doing is just the grunt work of deleting files and deleting hardware of the empire and trying our best to move forward uh, where we don't, you know have you know murder as our punishment for people who were on the opposite side. But it is interesting that it's like, why would you put all these people in the same housing? if you anticipate that they haven't actually converted wouldn't they just be like plotting some sort of revenge
1: from my limited experience in local government like it's right on par as to what government would do (laughs) it's all over there yeah but like two episodes ago for our episodes uh, (laughs) we were talking about how like the thing that we like about Star Wars is these like little building blocks that it sets to kind of support the other films. I think we're starting to see through this series like the reasons why by the time we get to the sequel trilogy, Leia's out there having to form her own quote-unquote resistance against the First Order when the New Republic doesn't believe that there's an actual problem going on. And so I like that we're laying the groundwork to like kind of see how inefficient the New Republic was. Which that aspect I like. It's just that because this series is eight episodes, I just wish they would have condensed this a little further to not take up this much time. Um, but I, I, like I said, I thought this was an okay episode. I didn't hate it. I didn't. I didn't think it was like the most you know boring thing uh, that we've seen. But it just it, it leaves me with questions that I. The only reason why I'm bothered by that is because I know we're probably not going to get a follow up onto this until the next season, uh, if if that. Um, so I, that's the one thing that kind of trips me up a little bit about these kinds of, uh, breaks in between, uh, this for this, for these, uh, story arcs.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's a fine episode for now. It's not bad, but if towards the end of this season, things start to feel rushed on the Mandalorian plot, this will be the easy one to look back on and be like, man, we should have made that central plot. 15 minutes long and gave the rest to Mando uh, and his like travels and his interaction with his clan. uh, For sure. I think that's going to be like the easy one to to spot, but maybe they just felt like they had an abundance of time and they really wanted to tell sections of like what's going on in the galaxy and answer some of those questions that not everyone's asking, but a lot of people think about like what, what happened after the empire fell and they've done a really good job of weaving in like what happened to the people who were in the empire? What happened to the stormtroopers? What happened to like uh, anyone who was in the prison system? Like they, they give us some of those snippets. It's just like, did we need 40 minutes towards it? Probably not.
1: I do like that. It incorporated a little bit of the and or stories onto here like the desks that Pershing is uh, working out of seem like the repurposed desks that were that we saw in Andor when we saw like the clerical uh, side of the empire so like that sort of thing I really like that they're like weaving this connective tissue um, across them but yeah like I I thought overall like it was a decent episode it wasn't like one of the strongest Uh, I think this is like the frog lady episode for, for season two you know like I can see the essential aspects of it, but at the time, it just kind of feels a little out of place.
0: Yeah, I think the end is also a little too vague to completely 100% say she is still bad. Like, she still wants to work for Gideon if he's around. Because I I don't really understand the motivation for the extra torture. I could have seen her, like, Turning off the machine and being like, "You're an asset that we can then bring back to Gideon," and like picking and choosing who who passes and fails the rebels' test and passes and fails her test.
1: It's also funny how like no actual New Republic personnel decides to stay with the.
0: What was that? (laughs) They're just like, "All right, time for our lunch break." Microwave the guy and walk away.
1: (laughs) Just leave him cooking there for a bit.
0: Yeah, what did you think about him uh, Pershing yelling, it's trapped to the fish man? I love the
1: expression he gives when he just goes to the side like this. Huh? Almost like he's looking at the camera being like, serious?
0: <laughs> Give him a gym from the office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy's real.
1: I kind of wow. I, I thought they were all converts then. Like everybody in that room, possibly.
0: It's difficult to tell who's yeah. among the ranks. Uh, for sure, because he did say, like, I went through this procedure and found it pleasant. Yeah, but why would you go through it if you're not like a volunteer? Right. Into the New Republic. The,
1: the The real world connections of these two, I thought, were really interesting. Right, like we, like a couple episodes ago, I talked about like how after World War II, we had the whole like integration of like Nazi scientists into the U.S. You know, to like have them continue their work and we we're kind of seeing that here except the opposite of it of like not having them continue the work but like trying to become members of, of our society uh, of their society in, in this case but um this, I, I thought it's well played it's interesting to see it's just you know again like i feel like we didn't have to allocate this much time
0: to it Yeah, the train sequence took a long time um yeah also very inaccurate.
1: I I've, ri- I've ridden on the Metro North several times, and those ticket asking people sometimes skip over. They're not this interested in doing. <laughs> their well, these their are job. these are
0: robots, so that's <laughs> that's the main reason why. But agreed, I think you can do a, the old switcheroo where like you take the low path, they go high, or they go low as well, and yeah. you circle back and take the high.
1: Yeah.
0: Train. Yeah. Let's talk
1: about that ending though, with Mando and Bo you. Yeah. With, uh the Mando group
0: yeah I think it's awesome that he like easily gets back into the fold and you can't see his face but you can almost see like the body language of like relief yeah which is which is nice for him because it does mean something to him despite seeing that you can have a way of life with your helmet off sometimes
1: so bringing Bo-Katan into the fold
0: I was kind of
1: expecting some sort of like conflict between the armorer and Katan just because the armorer seems to have some disdain towards Katan's house just from the way that she's spoken about her in the past yet she kind of like practices what she preaches and the whole like oh well you bathed in the waters too so you know you're 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 cool to stay with us if you want to (laughs) Like she's not Like I, I like that about her. I, like I don't know what it is. Like as much as fanatical as she is, I feel like there's some. I gotta give props to the fact that she's consistent across the way that she, you know, professes and and also like kind of acts uh, with her people. That's where it kind of came full circle to me. Like the whole point of Bo not removing her helmet ever since the whole, you know, Waters of Mandalore situation.
0: Um,
1: and it kind, it kind of gave me. Not, not the same, like, sentiment here, but, like, it reminded me of the scene at the end of The Boys Season 2. No, 3, where Homelander offs somebody in, in front of his supporters, and then they all start cheering for him. It felt like that as she was, like, staring at the the Beskar um, skull of the Mythosaur there, and then all the, Mandel, the Mandos are going up to her, like, congratulating her and welcoming her into the fold. Um, It just got me thinking, like, is this the beginning of a antagonistic version of Bo? Or is this a, like, what is she planning on doing here? Because I don't know where this is going to go. You know, like, it could go one of many ways here.
0: Yeah, I think it can go one of two ways, right? It's either she says, that's very nice. I haven't felt like I belong somewhere in a while and stays. Or, hey, that's nice, but I don't really care about this lifestyle and leave i assume she's gonna stay because i i continue to just view her path as like the path she wants her path towards leadership whether she will achieve it or not that's kind of up for the rest of the season to decide but i see her looking at this scenario of being welcomed into their ranks as this is an army that i could gain if i get that darksaber and show that I'm strong. And I follow their way. And then once I have the Darksaber. Then I can rally the other half. Same way that we've been saying. That's kind of like Din's fate. Because he would be a like a nice. A genuinely good leader. I think Bo. Views that as like. That's her path as well.
1: Yeah. Because she's definitely driven to. To get that leadership role back. I feel like. Um and also she's capable of it and then then on the other hand there's somebody that i think is a little bit more simple in what he wants so he just he's really just wants to vibe <laughs> he, the he just the day. wants to
0: belong and see Mandalorians yeah. prosper again which is nice but that's not a platform of like leadership and i think this these events that just transpired for Katan are even more motivating to be like i know that planet mandalore is habitable now and i just lost my other home so that's my only way forward is to go back there and i'm only going back with an army and i want these guys who will follow me and i want the my original crew who could follow me as well
1: yeah until she learns that mandalore is not a place it is a people Mm -hmm. and that the foundations of mandalore are still strong
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um I think one interesting thing is going to be the Visla character. Yeah. Or whatever his name is. Post priest, Malone Vizsla. Yes. Priest, priest Visla. <laughs> Paz Visla. <laughs> um I think it's going he's going to have an interesting role to play here. I think he's always thought that Din is too weak. Um I think we both had discussed like he probably will be the one to challenge again and just keep challenging until he gets the sword but I maybe think he doesn't get to be the one who challenges and he sees Bo-Katan's challenge and he supports her because he views her as stronger um, yeah. it's tough to tell because like he is also pretty devout in this religion and I bet he thinks that like even if you bathe in the water a dozen times it you're still I've never taken my helmet off and you have it's all,
1: like she was also very devout to his ancestor like in, even after he lost to darth maul she was the one person that was like no i'm not you know she resisted that leadership so i think that history might come back up here too because like it's it's funny though because like i thought Paz Vizsla was kind of a throwaway character in season one um but then like the more you know the series has progressed the more i've been like interested to see where they go with him because especially now like bokatan because of her relationship with pre vizla and clone wars has direct relationship to his family so Mm -hmm. and he's such a hothead that yeah i think that at some point that relationship and dynamic is going to i think she will either use him to, to to do that or he's gonna be the catalyst and the driver for a conflict between Bo and the rest yeah. of the group, and and it could be it could be that like she maybe unintentionally schisms the group a bit, right? Because some of them start viewing her as like, oh well, I do I you know there's nothing wrong with taking your helmet off and like living a little bit offside the ways. Like, I think she represents the counter to everything that the armor kind of stands for, too, right? Because Bo has been that leader and has, whereas the armor, I feel like, has professed a lot of it, but hasn't really lived that same experience. I think that's going to, inviting her in might be that ripple that the group is going to see. But I don't know. I mean, like, I I feel like I got a thousand different theories in my head, but <laughs> I'm interested well, to it's... see where it lands here.
0: Yeah, and I think this group also values, like, strength or skills. And I think they're going to be surprised at what bo can do. Uh, which I think aligns with what you're saying of, like, creating this schism within the group. And, like, either she's going to get everyone to follow her or she's going to get a subsection of it.
1: Yeah. Regardless of whatever happens, though, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that even in like a filler episode, we didn't make a full stop and say, well, like we're not seeing Mando or Bo or any of these people in this episode. Like we still progress the story forward, if, if, if only for like ten minutes. But um, I, I hope they do a better job at balancing this stuff if they want to do these little side quests here, um, here and there. But uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I'm excited to see what happens next. It's just you know. I, I think now the characters are put in a very very interesting position where I honestly don't even know where to point <laughs> to kind of say, like, I think this and this is going to happen. Like, I, I have no clue.
0: Yeah, I think the the only upsetting thing is that there's no real door opened to connect the plot lines that we saw in this. I agree. I think we, we still progress Mandalorian's path significantly with his getting reinstated, but I would have liked to see that officer Aaliyah free Pershing and get off Coruscant. And at some point we know like, okay, these paths will intersect. This almost kind of feels like it was a storyline just to show us what's going on throughout the galaxy, which is fine, but you, you kind of want it all to connect and not be any wasted time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think they will connect at some point, but you're right. I feel like this is a missed opportunity to at least just kind of tell us, like, where, what direction we might be heading into here.
0: But it is an interesting thing. Like, I, I don't think we can predict because there's no tellers of, like, where they have to go next. Like, we knew they had to leave Mandalore at the end of last episode. And it was just like, well, he has to go back for a ship on bo planet. But then there's no real indication of like, should we, should we leave somewhere or it might be an episode where they just stay there and she learns what, you know, what they all believe in.
1: I think we, the one thread that I think we're meant to maybe pull a little bit on is that, and the opening scene with the threat of the empire sh- or the remnant empire shooting or vying for, yeah. for Bo. I have a feeling they're going to show up to this, you know mandalorian stronghold spot chased him away and i think that's what's gonna you know kickstart this whole thing and, and and maybe it'll be that but i i still strongly believe that gideon is out there because of the like why else would they drop that whole like oh i heard a rumor that he escaped the war tribunal like i, I like yeah. that was a direct almost like oh by the way but like if that's the case yeah. you're right like we should have seen it at the end of this um, because Moff Gideon, I feel like, is a very underdeveloped villain too. Like we know enough about him to know that he's, you know, a threat through the ISB. But I would almost like them to connect him to Mandalore in some way because he seems to be very, like, very, very tied to. Yeah, he's to out the for Mandalore vengeance, history.
0: but we don't know why. Uh, right, and that's that's the aspect you want to understand why. Um, yeah. And even now I'm thinking about it, like, even if they, even if she didn't turn up the, or did turn up the uh, intensity on the brain waves at the end, if she did like a communications on the side to be like to Moff Gideon, like now the doctor didn't pan out or whatever, just cause like she doesn't, she's out for vengeance. Like you got to connect some of these through lines. Otherwise it's just going to be like, oh, he just appeared out of nowhere in the seventh episode.
1: You know, in Clone Wars, Death Watch goes around pillaging different planets just to kind of, like after they failed to take over Mandalore initially before the mm-hmm. whole Maul arc. Like the only thing that I'm kind of thinking of is like maybe the backstory for Moff Gideon is going to be like he his planet was one of those that was plundered by by Death Watch, and so that's what kind of lets leads him to like the ISB and revenge and all that. I, I don't know. Like it just we're trying to connect pieces here. I feel like. That might be a good place to start. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's ex-Mando, too. And we just don't know. Whoa. Maybe he needs a bath. (laughs) Somebody needs to go and dunk him into the living waters.
0: (laughs) Which is also like, couldn't Mando have just bathed in the waters that the armorer had? Couldn't he just, like, (laughs) baptize himself there? She made him go all the way to a planet. That's to get cheating. the same water that was right in front of them, <laughs> that's kind of ridiculous. Listen, she's a stickler for her rules. It, it was the water, and she has the water. <laughs> it's cruel. The,
1: also, like now that they know that he was able to go back, that like is that gonna incite them to to go themselves, or is this still gonna be like, nah,
0: well, you know,
1: it's great to know that it's it's still there, but we're not gonna travel back.
0: Yeah, that that's an interesting thing to. To look out for yeah all right man well hey before we head out of here happy 100th
1: oh yeah this is not this i can't believe 100 episodes in and look at us
0: look still, at us still talking about the same garbage
1: <laughs> <laughs> can you believe it man I, I i can't believe we made it to 100 heck i can't yeah. believe we made it to 50 to be honest with you i thought we were still like below 100 <laughs>
0: Do you have any favorites, any episodes or series um, or movies?
1: I've enjoyed, I, I feel like all, most of my, between us, I think the 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 stuff I've enjoyed the most has been the, the Mandalorian stuff we've covered before. Just because I feel like it, it feels like an organic conversation more than some of the other stuff that we've covered here. And that's I what think, started us. Yeah, that's what started us off here. And then I yeah. like I'll, I'll be honest I've enjoyed the Kaiju conversations we've had over the the, the Godzilla stuff we've had with with, with Benji on here. Yeah, um, those are always fun just because they're kind of like out of our out of the realm of stuff that we normally cover. But um, I'll be honest I've I've really enjoyed this like however many people are listening into this thing or or not, <laughs> right? But um, just my parents. Yeah, Hi, am parents. <laughs> Shout out to you. Guys.
0: Shout out to our loyal listeners.
1: Still hit and play. <laughs> I, I, I've enjoyed it though. It's been it's been a good um, it's been a good long. It feels like a long extended combo of the stuff we used to talk about here and there at, at when we were working together. But yeah, here here's to another hundred. Maybe maybe we'll be somewhat bigger next time.
0: Yeah. How about you? Give me your give me your um. I don't know. I was thinking about highlights. that. I feel like our year-end reviews are always a good time because I think we usually skip a lot of the movies or shows that we talk about there um, just for time. But I also really I enjoyed that uh, redraft of the Captain America Civil War.
1: Oh, um, that was fun.
0: There, there were so many better picks out there that could have been made, and we built better teams than both of the Iron Man and Captain America.
1: We should do one with just the phase four characters. <laughs> let's see, let's see how that
0: goes. I'll take Shang-Chi. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, game over. <laughs> He's got the Kamehameha. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, now let's uh, let's wrap it up there. We'll we'll start on 101 next week.
1: Yeah, let's let's play us off with our Armando our Mando theme that running through the theme. <laughs> through these Love episodes
0: it. here. <laughs> Catch you on the next one. Later.